Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Better in Bed, the podcast where we talk about sex and inspire you to get better at it. I'm Sarah, and I'm a certified sexologist and coach, and I help people like you overcome shame, explore your sexuality, and communicate more meaningfully about sex. Today, we have another sex FAQs episode where I take all the questions around a certain theme that members of my community have sent in. And I answered them with a guest who is an expert in this area. So if you have a question for me that you want answered, make sure you join my email community by going onto my website, sarahsense.com and signing up. You'll receive tips and resources that I don't share anywhere else except on email. And you'll also get a chance to drop me a line with questions that could make it on the show. Because even if I can't get around to answering every single question myself, these sex FAQ Episodes are my way of getting you the support you need. So I'm always here looking out for you, okay? And this way, your questions and stories get to help others as well. So my guest for today is Dr. Kristen Zeising. Kristen is a clinical psychologist and a certified sex therapist practicing in Hong Kong. Her goal is to compassionately support and empower adults to live an authentic and meaningful life that reflects their individual sexual and relationship needs and values. You heard her previously on Better in Bed on episode 43, talking about how sexual desire works and the factors that impact sexual desire. That's a really great episode to listen together with this one. So do check it out. And today, Kristen is going to answer your questions around sexual desire, and I'll help too. But before we start, I wanted to talk about the differences between sex therapy, which is what Kristen does, and sex coaching, which is what I do. Because I think the terminology can be a little confusing for people, especially in places like Hong Kong where the field isn't very well understood or well developed. So what are the differences between working with a sex therapist and working with a sex coach? Well, thanks for having me again. Yes, and thanks for being so back, by the way. <laughs> here. Well, what I definitely have more experience with is to talk about what being a sex therapist mm-hmm. is, and maybe mm-hmm. you could fill in a little bit more of the coaching. Of course. So first of all, that term itself is actually not regulated, so anybody can call themselves a sex therapist, but I'm actually certified with an organization called ASECT, which is the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. So with that... I got pretty extensive training in human sexuality. I spent about two and a half years doing the training. So we had like 90 hours of academic coursework and different areas related to human sexuality, like physiology, orientation, sexual expression, cultural considerations, a whole bunch. I got 60 hours of training also in just psychosexual disorders, so to treat those specifically. And there's 300 hours of clinical treatment of patients and supervision. So it's pretty extensive. So I would say if anybody is looking for a sex therapist, it's good to make sure they are certified so that you know that they know what they're talking about. 
also I'm a, a licensed mental health professional in which you need to be to then be a sex therapist. So as a sex therapist, probably a difference is that I also treat things like anxiety, depression, other relationship issues, um, you name it. I've worked for 20 years in the field as a psychologist and then got into sex therapy in about, what was it, 2000, about nine years ago. So why did you actually decide to get into <laughs> sex therapy yeah. since you were trained as a psychologist? Yeah, yeah. That was the thing. I was doing my work. I'd worked with a whole breadth of populations and ages and narrowed it down to just adults and became like half individuals, half couples. And I just found that I wanted to expand into a niche. And I found that this was a niche that a lot of people weren't talking about. It's yes. interesting. Oh, when yeah. I put it on my website, I would focus on this. People would say, oh, gosh, you know, my therapist wouldn't talk about sex. Yeah. Or they said they don't know what to talk about with sex. Go to somebody who knows. So I felt like it was a good niche to get more into, get more experience with. It also had a great human sexuality professor in grad school. And she just made it so fun to talk about too. And I've always been open about talking about sex my whole life. So I just thought there was a need I felt comfortable with. It would be a nice new pathway with my business. And it has been wonderful because so many people need this avenue, right? So many people come in and say, I had nowhere else to go. I didn't know where to go. Yeah, You didn't even know people like you existed, right? That work with specifically and have training specifically with sex. Yeah. So it's been really a blessing to get into. I can talk about people can come in. We start off with looking at maybe just some tips, tools, techniques, education. But if they need more intensive psychotherapy, I can provide that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think with sex coaching, I would say there is some overlap in terms Mm -hmm. of, of course, as a coach, I also aim to provide education for people, which is sorely lacking. We also obviously both provide safe spaces to talk about sex because people need that. And I think the way that I approach sex coaching is it's more problem solving and skills based, I would say. So often the way that I would work with someone is more on a short term basis and we would focus more on a client's goals where we work in the present and then move them forward towards whatever the end goal with. And I think that's different in a sex therapy setting because I think often you're delving into mm-hmm. clients' past and what conditioning they had or how they've actually come up with this pattern of behavior and helping them gain insight into themselves in that way. And I would see that as a key difference in the way we work as well. Sex coach isn't a mental health professional. So I would say that as an analogy, sometimes the way I like to describe it to people is like seeing sex therapist is like going to a doctor because they're a mental health professional. And maybe seeing a sex coach is maybe someone who would be like seeing a PT or someone who's a coach who would help you, whatever your goal is, lose weight or gain more muscle mass or whatever. And that's usually an analogy I think can be helpful for people. But we do as well cross-refer to each other. A lot of my training in sex coaching was learning the situations where you would cross-refer to like a sex therapist. So 
with clients or with people who have like mental health conditions or trauma or high conflict relationship. Anywhere where I feel like they would really benefit from psychotherapy, where they're looking to really deeply understand and unpack the reasons why they behave a certain way, why they have recurring patterns, things like that, I would refer out as well. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of those maybe deeper things, depression or anxiety can impact our sex life, right? So I'd work with both of those in concerts. Like, okay, how do we treat the depression while also recognizing its impact to your sex life along with your relationship? So they're also multi-layered and all impacting yeah. each other. And before we go any further, a quick shout out to our sponsor that's made this episode possible today. Penis owners and penis lovers, I can't wait to tell you all about Promescent. Promescent is a premium sexual health company which makes a signature delay spray that's clinically proven to help men last longer in bed. When I tried the spray with a partner, I was surprised at how quickly it worked, how long it lasted, and how little transfer there was during sex. Nothing felt numb, we just had a sensational time, and my partner felt like he could have gone on for longer. Next time I use it, I'm clearing my schedule. And don't just take my word for it. Over 2,000 healthcare professionals also recommend Promescent. So check out Promescent.com. They have a full line of products from lubricants to supplements, everything you'll need for longer lasting, more satisfying sex, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Promescent is spelled P R O. M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. All right, then. So shall we get into questions? Yes. yes. Okay, perfect. So I'm just going to read the question and we will then both take a stab at answering them and hopefully helping the people who are listening. So first one is, I've been with my husband over three years and we've always had issues in bed, but we ignored them because we were great friends and enjoyed everything else about each other. The first time we had sex, it was over in seconds and it hasn't improved much since then. Now I just feel nothing towards him sexually. What should I do? Yeah. In reading this over, I was thinking about how a couple of things that come up when thinking about this. Couples love to be friends with each other and they want to be friends with each other and they love to feel that connection, you know? So I don't blame them that we've been great friends and enjoy everything. We they probably had some problems with the sex, kind of push it aside because maybe you don't know what to do with it. And let's focus on our friendship, which is yeah. great. Mm -hmm. But the problem is then the erotic part can sometimes get split off or not dealt with or avoided and it gets bigger and bigger. Like the more we're not dealing with it, in healthy ways or have the tools, the bigger the problem can be. So when she's saying the first one had sex was over in seconds, my hunch is that he had premature ejaculation or what we also call rapid ejaculation. So probably didn't know what to do with that. And so, hey, let's focus on our friendship again. So I understand that. But I think, again, we don't want it to get bigger and bigger and have it be where then she says she doesn't feel anything towards him sexually. If that goes on for longer and for years, any of the eroticism is going to go away and then that's going to really cause bigger problems for the relationship. So it's important to be able to find a way to bring that to him. 
I like to think of couples as these erotic partners, you know, like we're in this together. We're here to talk about our sex life together. It's not one person's responsibility or fault or it's about how do we do this together? So it sounds like instead of avoiding coming towards him. And I think that if you can find a way to talk about this in a gentle way, and I have some examples of tools in which you can work with this premature rapid ejaculation, maybe then you might find some feelings towards him sexually. Yeah, you're probably not going to have many. Again, I'm assuming they're probably avoiding sex if they've been mm-hmm. trying it and it's just not working. Sure. So discussing this with their partner, approaching him with some kindness, because he might be embarrassed. He might be ashamed. You know, a guy doesn't feel good if he's not able to maintain his erection. So just broaching it and just go, hey, let's just talk about what's going on and how much I would love to be close to you. Putting out words of love and connection, even if you're not feeling intense desire, is okay because you're wanting to build that. You want to make bridges towards that. So saying that you wanted to work on this with him and you want to reconnect sexually and let's talk about how we can do that. Right now, I don't know enough, of, obviously, about yeah. the situation yeah. to know, well, how is this situation really impacting you? I mean, firstly, it sounds like sex wasn't really a priority for you because you put friendship first. But what is the situation now? So is not having sex a deal breaker for you now? Or can you actually see yourself in a relationship going forward that isn't sexual, but maybe you're just great friends and co-parents or whatever it is you're doing? Like, I'd probably like to understand why now this is coming up as an issue and why you want to change it now when obviously for three years it hasn't really been an issue. So I'd be interested to find that out. I mean, I'd also probably be interested to find out, as you say, like how your husband interprets this lack of, well, not wanting to have sex or not finding him a sexually attractive person. I guess as Kristen says, it's a really good idea to start with a conversation, does he feel rejected? Does he feel ashamed? Is there resentment? I probably think that this is probably a difficult conversation Mm -hmm. for you to have. So I would start there. Are there any tools then you mentioned for how you would start the conversation? What would you say to our listener? How would you bring it up in a kind way? Well, I'd say, you know, when you're in a safe space, For some people, when they're not looking at each other, it's kind of comfortable to bring up difficult conversations. I mean, but still being private, like say you're going like on a little hike together or something where you're just kind of walking in side by side, side by side, threatening eye contact going (laughs) on. So that might be a place like, hey, hon. So, you know, again, bridging the gap with I love our time together. I know we're such good friends. If this is how you're feeling, again, we're trying to have take this question and kind of think about where you'd go with it. But I'd really love to start being a little close to you. And I've noticed maybe we don't spend so much time being sexual. Like, what are your thoughts about it? How are you feeling about it? So you don't even have to hit the nail on the head. You don't have to go, hey, here's our issue. But how are you feeling about sex? What thoughts are you having? What would you like to look like? Are there any concerns that come up for you? But just gently putting it out there and kind of putting that bait out, see if he bites, and then gently kind of follow his lead a little bit. And it doesn't have to be that you cover everything all in one conversation, but just at least getting that going and see what comes out. There could be things that come out you have no idea that he's thinking or that he's feeling. So I think starting there and then building your way up from that. That's such a fantastic suggestion. I also like what Christian said before about having a team approach to solving the problem because he also needs to kind of want to come to the table to work on it with you, right? So being able to make sure that it's collaborative effort is really important because I think on his side, there is obviously maybe an opportunity to learn some new skills 
about maybe lasting longer, giving you pleasure, different techniques. But then you may also want to learn how to guide him about what feels good for you. You know, maybe this is something you guys haven't really talked about. And maybe you might want to try something like mutual masturbation or where you show him what you enjoy. I think most important, like mindset wise, is that you both prioritize your sex life, which feels like it's something that hasn't been a priority to you previously. And also, yeah, we often talk about how we're so focused on intercourse and that puts a lot of pressure on the penis. And if that's been going on, taking that off the table. Again, becoming sexual partners, erotic partners can be looking at a whole menu of options. If we're not doing anything physical as far as physical touch, can we just lay in bed and cuddle together naked and just enjoy each other's bodies from that angle? Think of the whole body as a sexual organ and think maybe we don't even go for sex right now. We just start getting a little bit more connected. Yeah. So baby steps. Yeah. Erotic touch, I think, yeah. is such a great place yeah. to start. And that might also just take off some of the pressure around his ejaculation as well, which can be very helpful too. So next question. Does masturbation actually help or hinder my sexual desire for a partner? I enjoy masturbating regularly using porn, but when I masturbate too often, I notice it makes me feel less sexually interested in my partner. So in reading this question, I was thinking about the first part. Does it actually help or hinder my sexual desire? Well, I think you're kind of answering actually yourself in this question. Because you're saying, I notice it makes me feel less sexually interested in my partner. Yeah, if so it that, does, it does <laughs> I'm like, hinder it, you. Yeah. If that's your experience, yeah. then that's your experience. Mm -hmm. And that's something you should listen to. I always say, you know, porn in and of itself, there's not a good or bad part. Some people really enjoy porn. Some people find they choose to not look at it for a variety of reasons. That's mm -hmm. fine. And if you masturbate using it and you're enjoying it, great for you. However, again, if it's becoming something where it's getting in the way of your sexuality, your relationship with your partner, and you're not as interested, I'd say it's probably a good time to start putting it away for a bit. Let go of that a little bit and start focusing on your partner more. I think anybody can get habituated to porn. I think if you're watching it a lot, you're getting used to certain stimuli, you get used to touching yourself, pleasuring yourself in a certain way. And that doesn't always translate to partners. You get used to looking at certain things that, again, for some people, they start ex having certain expectations of how sex should be, how people should look. They might compare their partners to that and realize my partner doesn't measure up. I also know if this is a person with a penis, that if you're masturbating to porn and say, for example, you're not using lubrication, you're dry hand, you're masturbating maybe harshly, you know, quickly with your hand, like that doesn't translate if you're with a female with a vagina very well. So there's some ways in which it can hinder just the performance and the desire for some people. So again, I just think tuning into what you're saying, if it's making you feel less sexually interested in your partner, put it aside and also think about bringing your partner more into your fantasies. You know, start incorporating your partner more into your sexual play. For example, if you're wanting to masturbate, like Sarah mentioned, doing mutual masturbation, or if you want to masturbate and use some kind of imagery, can you bring your partner's pictures in, some videos of your partner, Ooh, some yeah, sexy movies you've idea. made with your partner yeah. into mm -hmm. your own experience mm -hmm. so that you're bringing that into your mind? Yeah. I think that's such um, a great idea. What about this idea, because I think porn is so controversial, right, as we say, and I'm with you in terms of like, I'm not anti-porn either. 
But I'm also just wondering in terms of how this listener is watching the porn, if he's doing it so regularly that it becomes a habit or it becomes dependent almost on porn to actually feel desire. Does that actually happen and is that an issue for people? So I've had people come in who mm -hmm. say they're porn addicted. Right now, right. there's no diagnostic term yeah. for porn addicted, yeah. so that it's also a controversial yeah. idea, Very sex addiction in that in yeah. my field. But what I will do is take what they're saying and ask, well, what's the problem for you? Get down to what the problem is for you. Sometimes people already have like religious or cultural shame. That's one issue, but it can be a real problem for some people. But I think the people that feel like they're using it. And they find that I keep on going to it, and I'm going to it, and I'm going to it, and I'm feeling out of control. That's when I feel out of control. Then I look at what's that about? Is there something also underneath that? Is there some sexual kind of compulsivity with yeah. this porn? Are there underlying conditions that we need to address if they're going to this porn so regularly and they feel like they can't control it? Is there some underlying trauma, some maybe bipolar? I mean, again, I'm a psychologist. I go yeah. there in my head yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I really yeah. want to get to why is this a problem? How is it a problem? Is there something else going on that we need to address around the utilization of this compulsive porn, if that's the case? Yeah. And I think also a very simple experiment for this listener can be just, well, why don't you just abstain from <laughs> watching the porn or maybe even just abstain from masturbating for seven days and then see how that changes things in terms of your desire for your partner, right? Masturbation is very healthy and we're very pro-masturbation yes. and we're not anti-porn. <laughs> but as an experiment, yeah. just take yourself off it for seven days or 14 days and see how that changes the way you feel. I love it. It's very simple and <laughs> yeah. straightforward yeah. and actually very good because then yeah. you might go, oh gosh, like what does come up for you yeah. with that? And you might actually feel like you are more connected to your partner. You feel more desire. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, you're not, we don't actually see exactly the frequency of the masturbation here, right? I mean, if you're doing it three times a day, the body just gets tired and timing of the masturbation as well. You're doing it right before you're intimate with a partner. You've got all of the hormones, the prolactin, all of that, all of that actually will decrease your sexual desire. So there isn't enough information for us to really tell you exactly what to do. As an experiment, just take yourself off it for <laughs> seven days and see what happens. Yes, great yeah. advice. <laughs> okay, next question. My girlfriend has started taking antidepressants and now she rarely is in the mood for sex and seldom comes when we do have sex. I know it's due to the drugs but it's beginning to take a toll on my confidence and libido. And I really only enjoy sex when I know my girlfriend is enjoying it too. What can I do? Well, it's interesting because I can see you can understand why she may be less in the mood and not having orgasms, but I can also see you're struggling with your own sense of yourself and how you feel good in the relationship. I think that for a lot of men, you know, they feel like their job is to please their partners to perform and be a good lover. They want to give women pleasure. It makes them feel good. Their egos feel good. So it's easy for men to maybe feel rejected when their partners don't want sex or don't seem excited. So I think that's what I'm hearing a little bit coming from you. Let's normalize some yeah. of that. Wanting to feel desired by your partner is normal, right? Because when we feel attractive and desirable, absolutely, that's a form of validation and it is linked to our confidence ultimately. So I understand where, where this is coming, coming from. from. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just also, yeah, the fact that's where you go with it, I completely get it. But again, you're also saying, hey, I realize she's on antidepressants and maybe not in the mood. So you're, I guess I see you're trying to balance both. 
I guess I would also be curious about if you were to actually ask your girlfriend, is she enjoying the sex? Does she like the frequency? Does she mind that she doesn't have an orgasm? She might say, yep, you know what? Don't have a huge drive. It's more challenging to orgasm with antidepressants. I'm fine with the amount that we have. So I'd be curious what she says. Because people have sex for so many reasons, right? It's <laughs> exactly. not always for the orgasm. Exactly. Sometimes people struggle to understand that, but we have sex yeah. for connection, right? We have yeah. sex for intimacy, even like body touch. Mm-hmm. Really important. Mm-hmm. And that can all be very enjoyable, even if the orgasm isn't there. So it's a good question. And I think there's sometimes that performance-based idea about sex. Like we've talked about in previous episodes, you know, have like desire and then arousal and an orgasm and it should go a certain path when, like you're saying, it could just be that she's happy to be close to you. But also you could ask her, is there anything that she would like? Anything else that could help her get in the mood? Not from a pressure place, but just, hey, I'm opening up that conversation and see what else you guys could talk about that might feel good for both of you around sex. But yeah, antidepressants are known for many people to dampen desire and dampen orgasm. And so I was also thinking from her end, she doesn't want to have to feel like pressure to have to be somewhere she's not. So I think, again, with the erotic team approach and talking about this together from an open space, non-judgmental space, but just talking about, hey, what are your needs? What are my needs? How are we feeling about this? What if she would come back and say, hey, honey, you know what? What you do is great. And the sex I have is great. And don't put pressure on yourself. Would that help you feel better? Or she could come back with, yeah, actually, let's shift some things. Now that I'm in this space, maybe I need a few different extrasensory things to feel better. Or maybe I just like cuddling with you, whatever it is. But I think really having a conversation around it so that you can put any myths, any mind reading to bed and get the facts about what you're both needing. It might also be a good idea for you to ask your girlfriend if she could see her doctor and talk to him about the lack of sexual desire as a side effect. Because I think that these days, there are many things that you can do in terms of like medication protocols that might help. That could be like lowering the dose or changing even the timing of the dose, for example, like maybe having the dose in the morning And then you being sexual in the evening can sometimes help. Or it could even be a a different medication altogether. But I'm not sure if your girlfriend has actually talked to a doctor about this. So it might be worth bringing up as well. All right, next question. I'm never in the mood and it's causing some relationship issues. It started five years ago when I had a baby and postnatal depression. And these days, I'm in a much better place, but my libido never returned. I want to have more desire. I want us to have more sex. But when it comes to it, I'll make any excuse. I'll pretend to be asleep or just say I'm too tired. Please help. Mm -hmm. I think we've probably heard a lot of Mm -hmm. these kinds of stories and examples of when, first of all, when you first have your baby and you're raising it and it's like, it takes so much out of you to have a child tapped out, probably not thinking about sex for for those first months to years, whatever, however long that was for you, along then with the postnatal depression, it's a double whammy on yourself and just the fact that there's so much, sounds like heaviness as far as the depression and expectations. There's been role changes. Now you're a mom. That can be a lot to adjust to. Your body has changed. Your relationship with your partner might have changed. So it just sounds like you've probably been through a lot. So glad to hear that you're in a better place now. But that's the thing. Just because we're now we're in a better place, wonderful. But our libido just doesn't always follow suit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes after having a baby, it can just be changed for many years. And raising children takes so much of that energy as yeah. it is. Yeah, that's a big one. Lack of privacy, fatigue. 
feeling at home with your body image, mm-hmm. feeling touched out. These are all very common experiences for moms. So I think really being gentle with yourself. Also, when there's a long dry spell, there's an inherent awkwardness when you've had a dry spell. To try to get back onto it, it can feel kind of strange. And so I think this is where you can start, again, thinking about how you can you bridge some gaps from where you are to being sexual with your partner. Like go slow and start talking to your partner about, hey, I know, you know, we haven't had much of a sex life, but if you're, I mean, I'm assuming you're writing in because you don't want to have to pretend you're asleep and saying that you're just too tired. You want to find a way through this and to feel some desire again, but maybe you just don't know how. So this is where I do some of the classic examples of, first of all, getting in touch with yourself. Can you invite yourself to feel desire? Be curious about yourself. Can you remember like times when you had desire, when you had good sex? Can you kind of visualize that in your mind and kind of tap into what that was like for you? Do you do any sort of like sexual like self-pleasuring? Are yeah. you in touch with your yeah. body at all? Are you, have you put that aside? Because that could be a good place to start too, of just mm-hmm. reinvigorating the eroticism within yourself to then be able to think about bringing it to your partner. We actually talked in our last episode that we did together, which is like episode 43 on sexual desire about um, practices like mindfulness, right? That actually may be helpful mm-hmm. with getting in touch with your sexual desire. But I think movement as well. We talked about sensual practices, yes. right? Whether it's some kind of dance or massage or something. Mm-hmm. I think carving out actually space for me time and mm. self-pleasure I think for a mom, moms always forget that, you know, moms always put everyone else first and then them last. And maybe that's important as well. And we're actually culturally conditioned to do that. You know, it's like moms feel often I hear selfish if I take care of my needs. But I think shifting that attitude to it's kind of like putting the oxygen mask on yourself first in a plane. Really, the more you nurture yourself along with the sexual component, the more you're there for other people and, and your children. So learning to tune in and pay attention to your own needs, whether that's the self-care. I always talk about sensual things like baths or showers, things that make you feel good, smelly things, soft things that kind of turn on your senses, having outfits on that make your body feel good, whatever it looks like. And then ultimately bringing some conversation to your partner and then doing that sensual touch exercise where you're kind of like touching each other where it's not about sex, it's not about massaging, but it's just like sensual touching can be really nice. Start to tune into each other's bodies again, just by baby steps. <laughs> yeah. I love the practice of affirmations, for example. You know, an affirmation for you might be this idea of sexual pleasure being a gift you can give to yourself or I deserve to receive pleasure I think those are powerful beliefs and thoughts that you can think about because they help you prioritize pleasure for yourself as well. And maybe some of it is that you might have gotten so used to your role as a mom, but maybe this idea of you and seeing yourself as a sexual being has kind of fallen to the wayside Mm -hmm. a little bit. So it's important for you to get that back. Next question. My wife and I have been trying unsuccessfully to conceive for over two years. And over time, I found my interest in sex declining because it feels so mechanical. Now when we do it, occasionally I struggle to perform. What can we do? That's such a tough place when folks... I see that a lot in my office where they come in and they've been trying to have a baby and they're trying so hard and they just think, I can try, try, try. And in Hong Kong here, where we work hard and we try really hard and yeah. put a lot of the pressure in there and it's not happening. So it can be very disappointing. 
along with the fact that it becomes this thing we schedule in a way that I have a goal. And so it becomes, again, you say mechanical. So it takes some of the fun out of the sex when it becomes so mechanical. So I think sometimes taking some of that pressure and stress away and kind of taking that off the table. Like I know it's hard for couples when they have this agenda to make a baby to think about taking a step away. But I think it can be important to kind of reset here. Yeah. Just so much pressure that impacts your body. And then when you mentioned I struggle to perform, I'm assuming you're having some erectile or difficulties potentially. And so pressure on the penis, again, does not make it want to feel erect and hard. It often goes the opposite direction. So you really got to recalibrate this whole situation. I've got to say that I've had friends who have tried to conceive and you said two years and that's, you know, quite a long time, I guess. It's not a sexy experience. You know, the thermometers, the sex on the schedule, you know, I think like the anxiety sometimes that, oh, I missed the window and now it's only going to be like next month before we can try again. You know, this kind of like do and die mentality where we've missed it now. And then there's so much pressure. And then of course, like the frustration of course when you're not successful right I say successful in like mm-hmm. in quotation marks but of course you know when it doesn't result in baby then there's a lot of frustration as well so I really feel for this listener yeah. but yeah I think also you're I would agree with the suggestion Kristen made you know taking a break from baby making and just making the goal of sex just fun it's supposed to be pleasurable. Remember yeah. that? Like it's supposed to be about it connecting is. to your partner it and is. having some level of pressure, whatever that looks like. I hope I just said pleasure, not pressure. Yeah. You know, and so instead of this goal-oriented sex, go, mm. you know what? And taking it off the table doesn't mean like we don't care about having a child and we have to not care. But I think being able to get maybe more into the sensual touching again mm. and looking at your partner as a whole being and touching their bodies in a way of caressing, loving, touching, enjoying, maybe having some fun and humor too. Yeah. That often goes out the window yeah, for yeah. so many people. It is so serious, yes. isn't it? Yeah. It's like, hey, let's have a little bit of silliness and spanking and fun and just bring that kind of energy yeah. back yeah. into the relationship. I think definitely changing things up in terms of how you are having sex will help it to feel less mechanical. So spicing things up, whether it is experimenting with sex toys or sex positions, even new places to do it in your home or even at a hotel, book a staycation, those are things that will help it feel less mechanical. Focusing on quality, maybe mm-hmm. not so much on quantity. There is a lot of focus on quantity, I feel, <laughs> when yeah. trying to get pregnant. But I think quality and quantity, quality is also important. And sometimes that gets lost as well. And I think if you can, as much as possible, try to bring your stress levels down even before sex. So if you can do some breathing together or even taking a walk outside, just clear your air before getting down to the sex or doing a massage for each other. These are things which are just general stress relief type of techniques that could also be helpful in the situation. Absolutely. All right. So thanks so much, Kristen, for joining me today on this episode. I hope we provided support and reassurance for all the people who sent in their questions. Kristen, can you just remind our listeners again where they can find you or find out more about you? Absolutely. My own website is drzising.com, spelled D-R-Z-E-I-S-I-N-G.com. Go. Listeners, if you have a question or feedback for the show, you can find me at HelloSarahSense at Instagram or drop me a line at sarahsense.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast and want to support the work that I do to normalize the conversations we have around sex, 
please subscribe, share, write a review, or buy me a coffee. In fact, I will love it if you did all of those things. And thanks for listening. I will see you on the next episode of Better in Bed. 